I fundamentally disagree with using face changing filters on social media. I will never alter my face. I will never put one of those filters on when I'm speaking, you know, into my camera, but you bet your bottom dollar, I get my anti-wrinkle injections. So it's a matter filter in itself. So it's all of these contradictions that exist within us that are so uncomfortable. Welcome to today's podcast episode. I hope that you're having a really wonderful start to your week if you're listening to this episode in real time. So today's podcast guest is Nicole Matheson. Now, Nicole was a speaker at our very first event many years ago. I think we start our conversation off by addressing that because the boys were like three years old and a whole lot has happened since. I remember when Nicole stood up and spoke at our event, there were so many women in the audience nodding along because Nicole is a very warm and empathetic and wonderful communicator. There are certain things that she said during that talk at that event all those years ago that have stuck with me. One of those things I remember Nicole saying was that it's really our job as parents to disappoint our children. And I remember it sticking with me because, you know, three years into parenthood, that kind of made my ears like prick up a little bit and go, hang on, what? Is that our job? And it's only as the boys have gotten older that that sentence has returned to me countless times and the importance and the wisdom that Nicole was conveying with that has really leveled me like leveled me in a really great way so many times. So if you happened to attend our first event all those years ago, I want to invite you, pop a photo up, tag me on Instagram. Let's have a little blast from the past. Uh, It was such a good time. I really want to get back into events. Uh, I really, really loved that first event in particular. It felt so special to be standing there and welcoming you all. And yeah, it's just something I will never forget as long as I live. So anyway, all that aside, Nicole is an incredible speaker. She's a counselor. She works with women. She's also an author. I have her wonderful book in my hot little hands right now. It is titled The Beauty Load. And we originally reached out to Nicole to chat about relationship stuff because we have a relationship month kind of theme coming up shortly. And she was, of course, willing to chat about relationship issues, but she also suggested the idea of the beauty load. And as soon as she said it, I was like, yes, this is something that has been on my mind. Uh, And it's on my mind because I can see my part in it. I can see society's part in it. I can see the ways I want to untangle from it and also the ways in which I don't want to untangle from it for whatever reason. And in fact, we get into those reasons in this conversation. But The Beauty Load is an incredible book. It's all about how to feel enough in a world obsessed with beauty. The content of the book 
is incredible. And also just the feel of the book. You know how sometimes you pick up a book and it just feels good in your hands? It's really, really high quality. It's really well done. I cannot recommend it enough. I think every household needs a copy of it. I'm going to read the back of it to you. So our personal perception of our beauty or the lack of it can make us feel anything from numb to anxious, stressed and ashamed, and at worst, like we don't belong and that we are not worthy of being loved. In The Beauty Load, counsellor Nicole Matheson exposes the damaging and unrealistic beauty pressures that society places on women and shares how to let go of the struggle, feel confident about who you are in the world and trust that you are worthy of love and connection just by being you. Now, I predict that there will be some people listening to this episode and you've read the title, The Beauty Load, and you're already like, you know, I don't want the pressure of having to feel like, oh, I love myself exactly how I am. You know, I really enjoy my beauty treatments. I don't need another thing to feel guilty about. I just want to assure you before the conversation starts, that is not this conversation. This is a very realistic conversation about our, I guess, attachment to certain beauty treatments and also how it can make us feel safe and why those things make us feel safe. And it's about observing certain things without attaching any pressure to stop certain treatments or without adding any guilt, right? Nicole's just such a wonderful communicator on this topic. She also does have an online course, which we chat about, and she's created a code. So if you want to go further than her book, The Beauty Load, and you want to delve into this online, and I feel like as women, but as mothers in particular, it's such a helpful thing to understand. Because if we understand this beauty load, we can then communicate about that to our children. And I think little changes, little changes are what we are aiming for. Improving our relationship with ourselves a little bit will go a long way and we can role model that to, to our children as well. So I've popped a link in the show notes directly to Nicole's course, uh, and she's kindly created a code, which is Kylie, all in capitals, and you will get a discount. I believe it's 20% off, which is a huge saving, and we all know how expensive life is right now. So definitely jump on board and use that code Kylie to save your 20%. You can also pick up a copy of The Beauty Load via the links in our show notes. Make sure you're following Nicole. Make sure you share this episode. Um, I so appreciate it. Like, honestly, when I see people sharing on their Instagram stories or the fact that you've sent it to a friend or you slide into my DMs, you leave a review, all of that stuff honestly means so, so, so much to me. So let's get into my conversation with Nicole about the beauty load. Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors. Unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members. In that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Nicole, I've been so looking forward to chatting with you, and we already have been chatting before hitting record, and I feel like this is going to be a really great episode. Oh, Kylie, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and chatting to your audience. We first connected years ago. We were just saying like my boys were maybe three at the time and you spoke at an event that we held. That's right. And a lot has changed since then, but I can see that with you, there's still that massive through line of helping women and you've shifted focus a little bit now. Of course, it still impacts relationships and empowering women, but you've really focused on this concept of the beauty load. Yeah. Yeah. So the beauty load is a term that came to me because I just, I've been seeing women as a therapist for nearly a decade now. And every single woman through my doors was carrying this load. And you know, the mental load, of course, your listeners would be very familiar with that. This constant sort of needing to have it in your mind of what needs to be done and this impossibility of really escaping that load. It sits on our shoulders and it feels quite heavy. Well, I believe we have another load and that is a vigilance about our bodies and how we look and are we okay? Are we pretty enough? Are we thin enough? Are we appropriate enough? That is a constant load that women carry. And I just could see it just really creating havoc for women. It wasn't necessarily what they came into therapy for, but I could see that this was bigger than an individual. This was all of us feeling this load. So yeah, that's um, kind of inspired me to to write a book called The Beauty Load. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a systemic thing. Uh-huh. And I think that terminology, the beauty load, every woman will know straight away. It's like, yeah, I know that pressure. And as I said to you before we pressed record this morning, it's a topic that both excites me and scares me to look at because I know I'm complicit in this beauty load and this beauty standard. And as I've gotten older and I reflect on why I am the way I am, I have realized it's a huge component of what I self-identify with as being very important. I think from a very young age, I took on this role and responsibility, particularly within our family, to be the one who really loved how she looked Mm. and what did that mean and how has that unfolded? And I think about it, you know, at 35 years old, I'm still applying fake tan weekly and I still think about tinting my eyebrows and my eyelashes and like I'm still so cognizant of that beauty load and I maintain it with such vigilance, Nicole. Like it's It's vigilance. That's it. It really is. It's part of like, I feel like it's so important. uh, And so it says so much about me and I understand that it really doesn't and it doesn't have to, but I'm in the messy middle of it, I guess. But I think that this is, this is 
one of the reasons women don't want to look at it is because there's a guilt or a shame around the fact that we do we are complicit that we are we do have all our beauty work that we feel we have to do in order to feel safe it's safety really that we're seeking right and I actually think that we need to start on the internals rather than on, oh my God, but I'm, what message am I sending to these people or that person or society or whatever? And how am I part of the problem? No, let's actually start inside us because this is actually only a problem for you if it is eating away at your psyche, at your self-worth. This to me is a self-worth issue. So if you can only feel good about yourself with that work, it might be something that is worthy of just loosening up a bit. doesn't mean you have to stop the work. It doesn't mean you have to let go. It's like alcohol, right? If we have a glass of wine or two and we feel happy, that's okay. It's okay to be part of that when alcoholism is a big problem. But that's not necessarily where we're at. But if we start feeling I need a bottle of wine every night to be okay, we need to start loosening our grip on that a little. We need to start getting to other ways that we can feel our worth, our goodness beyond having to be perfect. Yes. And I love that distinction. Thank you for that distinction because it does get messy when you are self-interrogating and you start pulling at the thread and then you realize, oh, the thread is very, very long and very, very tangled. It's been with us since the age of three studies have shown little girls want to have a different body. I believe that. That doesn't surprise me at all. Even when I reflect on my own childhood, there were comments that was that were made to me or made about me that I can clearly remember and I latched onto them. And, you know, now as an adult, I'll be like, oh, I can see that perhaps that comment wasn't as important as I took it to be because, you know, you grow up and your prefrontal cortex develops and you can understand things. Yeah. But at, the t- at the time, it felt so important and it was so formative to me. But, but it's important because of the context, right? And the context is cultural and social and family. And it's important because all the messaging we are getting is that beauty matters for our value. Yes. And that's so why it can feel like your life depends on that's it. That's it. This and is I not just, personal buy-in. This is cultural. It's bigger than you personally. Yeah. And I appreciate the distinction that you went over in terms of it's okay to enjoy things. It's okay to do things. You don't need to feel guilty about it, but at least be mindful of where the driving factor comes from or what it gives you. Such as, you know, I mentioned at 35, I'm still applying fake tan weekly. I did that at 18, but at 18, if I didn't get my fake tan on, I wasn't going out the next night. Whereas at 35, I go out all the time looking like tiger toast because my tan has worn off. And if we get an invitation to go out to dinner and I don't have a fresh tan on, I'm still going. And I like myself the same amount. I just tend to feel a little bit better and we can better. So that's the, 
that feels so much healthier, doesn't it, than I can't go. I don't have my fake tan on. Yeah. Yes, it does feel healthier, but then you still start, you know, you keep pulling on that thread and it's so confronting to unpack certain things because it feels like there's no right answer sometimes, Nicole. Like I fundamentally disagree with using face-changing filters on social media. I will never alter my face. I will never put one of those filters on when I'm speaking, you know, into my camera. But you bet your bottom dollar I get my anti-wrinkle injections. So it's a matter filter in itself. So it's all of these contradictions that exist within us that are so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And I I think, you know, so I've realized that what this beauty load does to us with all of the pressure is that it creates havoc in our internal world inside of us and I talk about it as us actually gaslighting ourselves which sounds really harsh right but the toxicity is actually outside of us it is in the world. It is in the filters. It's the water we swim in. It's the water we swim in. It's the air we breathe. It's the shaming. It's the patriarchy. It's the objectification. It's the consumerism. It's the constant messaging. It's outside of us. But what this, this thing that breaks my heart and that I'm passionate about is that it gets translated and internalized towards us, from us, to us, and that's why I say we're kind of gaslighting ourselves because we are actually not the problem. The problem is outside of us, it is the messaging. And so all of even the self-judgment around the beauty work that we do is part of the havoc, right? That's what I mean by it feels like such a big problem to tackle. But it's not, uh, we are actually enough. We are actually fine. We can do whatever the frick we want, right? Like, it's okay. We actually need to get kind to ourselves. So we need to leave the confusion and the toxicity outside of our skin. Like, like I'm, I'm holding my hand up above my head, but it's like an umbrella over us, a bubble over us. So I believe that the antidote to all of this is actually self-compassion. Self-compassion for the way we speak to ourselves, self-compassion for the way we used to speak to ourselves, self-compassion for all of the diets and, you know, all of that shit that we've put our bodies through or whatever it is, but also self-compassion for being this body, for who we are, for all of it, for the self-criticism, the self-judgment, for just it's okay we're enough yeah and developing self-compassion is quite a radical and almost feminist act in itself isn't it yeah well I think that it's the opposite to what the patriarchy kind of teaches us which is stoicism which is just get through it competition hierarchy and stoicism I think self-compassion is that it's the power of feminine um, energy. It is not dismissing that there is pain or there is, this is hard, 
In fact, that's like the first thing of self-compassion is to go, this sucks. This is really hard. And, and often when it comes to things like our beauty work and the beauty load, we're not sharing that. We're not sharing the angst of it with anybody. It's very isolating as well because we feel it so personally, it becomes something that is nearly a shame to share, a shame because I'm 35 or I'm I'm nearly 50, so I shouldn't be having these thoughts anymore. I should be over this by now. I'm not a juvenile. You know, whatever it is, we don't want to share it. I just put my hand up when you said that. And I, I did that because I wanted to interject and be really honest and say, when you said you're 50, yeah, I wanted to say to you, and you don't look it. Like, and that's what I mean. Like, this is part of it, right, Nicole? Because I wanted, I wanted to praise you for not looking 50. Like, well, thank you. I accept. But, um... but, but, right, this is part of it, okay, because it's the ageism. It's everything. It is. It is. It's such a big part of it. I, I have this, um, this part in the book where I talk about that knee-jerk response that we have when any of our friends say to us, oh, I'm just feeling so horrid or, you know, my, my I've put on weight and I feel shit or whatever it is. Our knee-jerk response, what would you say to a friend who said that to you? No, you don't. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I would kill for your boobs. I exactly. would kill for your skin, like exactly. all of those things. So that's what we say. But I suggest what we need to say is I get it. Yeah. Because what when people say, when I say I'm feeling shit about the way I look in whatever words I use to say that, which is usually like, oh, I just feel so gross in these clothes or I've got nothing to wear or whatever it is. What I'm actually saying is I'm feeling the beauty load. I'm yeah, feeling, feeling not enough. Not I feel right. not enough and I feel actually probably close to disgust. It, it, it feels like disgust, self-disgust. Um, when my friends go, no, you look great, you are beautiful, it actually, it does lift me, but it actually makes me feel silly for feeling it. And it's nearly saying you shouldn't feel it. When, of course, we do feel it. But we do feel it because it is impossible in this culture not to feel it it's so normal to feel it so I want to normalize the fact that we feel this load the load exists it is real we're gonna feel it and for us to first say I get it I feel it too sometimes personally I don't really see what your complaint is right now to me you always look beautiful but I get it yeah I know how that feels and how that feels yeah with developing a stronger sense or stronger practice of self-compassion, yeah, that also then has to extend to other women, right? Right. And I think that's part of the missing piece sometimes with the beauty load is we often find ourselves feeling envious of certain people because yes. maybe they hit the beauty jackpot in terms oh. of what we're told is the ideal thing or maybe we're envious that they don't seem to be crumbling under the pressure in the way that we are. Like there's all these ways that women are pitted against one another from a very, very young age and 
that's got to be part of this spider's web as well. And I think that there's a presumption as well, and people probably presume this about you, Kylie. So I actually think this is really beautiful for you to be sharing about, that you don't feel it because you are so beautiful and you've got, you tick all these boxes, right, of the ideal beauty that we want. But do you know what my hand on heart response is when someone will say that to me, when someone will say, oh, you're beautiful, you're attractive, for whatever reason, I always say, I am a mirage because I was taught these are the elements of an attractive woman and I play to them. So I dye my hair blonde. I put fake tan on. Um, You know, I put, I dress in, I do all of the things that were stereotypically taught to me as attractive. But guess what? When I look at a woman like um, Eva Mendes, you know, I go, oh, she is stunning. And I think I will never have that natural beauty. Mm-hmm. I say it to Brendan all the time. We'll be somewhere and I'll be like, she mm-hmm. naturally There's always more. There's always more. And that's what I mean. So someone might see me on social media and go, oh, she's attractive. And I, first up, I don't think I'm the most attractive woman, but I understand I fit in that thin white woman <clears throat> box. Um and I and do as hell, which is <laughs> another thing. And I, I do understand that thin privilege, yeah. you know, to an extent. Yeah. I haven't yeah. lived in a larger body, so I don't, I can't see it from the other side, but yeah. I have experienced the thin privilege that comes along with being able to walk into a doctor's surgery and say, I'm unwell and the doctor takes me seriously without considering yes. my weight. Like there are so many things that go along with that. But the person that you might look at online and go, oh, they have it all together they probably don't feel like they do because, as I said, I don't feel like a great beauty. I'm like, yeah, maybe I know my angles. Yeah. But whereas, you, you know, like, I do, I do, and I write about this in my book as well because I've, um, I have noticed this as a therapist, right? It's, it's actually not related to other people's perceptions at all. It's unrelated to that. And even if people do tick all the boxes there tends to be it's it's not a free pass it's not a relaxation it's not a oh yeah mm-hmm. it is pressure it's, it's pressure almost- to maintain it because that's where the identity the perception of safety has come from or the, that self-worth has always come from that place so you have to keep it up to a different level expectation yeah yes and I think it's a slippery slope we yeah all see people online, particularly in the influencer space, where something changes, you know, they get one tweak. And then before you know it, they have a completely different face. Right. You know, and I think beauty has been democratized in a way. And I think that's, you know, thanks to influencers, thanks to the Kardashians, thanks to all of the access to media that we have. It really has been democratized. Like when I was growing up, I looked like a teenager. Teenagers today look like 25-year-old women because they're getting boob jobs, they're getting nose jobs, they're watching makeup tutorials. Oh, my gosh. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. I was actually talking to an anthropologist about this, which was fascinating, and she was saying that back um, in sort of the boomers' generation, say 50 years ago, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, she's the beautiful one you know, that was it. It was just a luck of the draw sort of situation. Whereas now there's a pressure to 
create that. It's nearly like it's your responsibility. So there's a completely different kind of internal culture around it. It's like you need to do the work to become beautiful. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? I have just started watching Pretty Baby on Disney, the Brooke Shields documentary. And have you seen that? No, that's how Okay, you will love it, right? Because it's all about how Brooke Shields was sexualized at such a young age, all of the different elements. But at the very start of this documentary, Nicole, they talk about how back when she was coming up, there were only four or five famous people, whereas now there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that you and I don't even know about, yeah. whereas, you know, she was put on this pedestal because she had this perfect face by chance, whereas now okay. so many people have the same face, right? Yes. Because they're using Facetune where they're making their eyes bigger, their nose smaller, mm-hmm. their nose more upturned, lip fillers, all of the stuff. Faces yeah. now yeah. more uniform. Yeah. Yeah. I have have teenage kids. So I know that I know personally that this is a thing, right? Because it's, it's not down. And I I know that, sorry, what I'm trying to say is I know that parents worry about this, worry about their kids, worry about how different it's changing and how quickly it's changing. Right. And it's very hard to keep your kids off technology and away from the thousands and thousands of influences and images and all of that. And it can be a real worry. Um, and I am personally in the thick of it. I have a young man who is at the gym building up his muscles. So that's a slippery slope. And I have a young 14-year-old girl who is uh, watching the makeup tutorials and plus the rest of it, you know, so. What do we do as parents? Yeah. Well, I think this is such a good question and I think that our own self-compassion is ripples out. So I think... um, you know, I used to, before I kind of dove into this topic and explored it, I would probably be like, don't worry about it. You don't have to be beautiful. You're beautiful enough. Like that would be my messaging. But now I'm more like what we were saying before. I get it. You know, of course, this is something that you are wanting to explore because it feels really important for fitting in and fitting in matters, especially when you're a teen. Yes, we want to be part of the culture. So I think that as parents we can both model our own acceptance of our bodies and that is what our children invite us to. That is an invitation to our own uh, self-compassion and self-acceptance and a beautiful invitation in my in my opinion and we can also let them know that we get it and that it is there and not deny it and just dismiss it and tell them they're being silly yeah it's tempting to want to be idealistic and of course as parents we see our children as perfect yeah. but it is that acknowledgement of like no of course you have that primal urge to be part of the culture and to fit in right. and to feel enough so I, straddling that 
a kind of dichotomy, <laughs> isn't it? Of like, you want to instill confidence, but you also understand and have this compassionate side as well. It can be tricky, you know, and I think that at, at certain points we have to surrender some of our own ideologies around it or beliefs around it. Like for me, you know, you can't wear makeup to school. Like that one, that one I let slip because I know that makeup will just be taken in the school bag anyway um, and applied in the bathrooms. So you need to sort of decide what your line is and be flexible and allow phases. The phases come and go, you know, like trust your kid as well. Like I'm often trying to give trusting messages, you know, like I know you always you come back or you always do the right thing and, yeah, I get it. Or I guess too having conversations with your children about the complexities of contradictions existing, you know, being forthcoming and saying, you know, this is something I find difficult is that yes. I fundamentally disagree with so many of the principles and I'm part of it. Yeah. You know, and just going, maybe we don't have the perfect solution and there is no way to be the perfect person and exist in this soup that we're all existing in. But at least these are the contradictions. And I see the dichotomy, like I see the issue. Absolutely. I think that is such an important conversation. And I think that that is permission giving for their own complexities. You know, like once you've opened that conversation, there are their own co- contradictions coming allowed permission giving back at you and that's actually where it is that's where you can be an ally to your kids for sure yeah life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You mentioned to me that the beauty load is also a relationship issue. Yes. Can you say a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I see the beauty load as very much a self-esteem and self-worth issue because what I see it doing is creating that internal havoc, which leads to anxiety, a desire for perfectionism, self-judgment, self-criticism, self-shaming, which is insecurity making, right? And makes us want to perform to some degree, perform a woman, perform beauty, perform sex. Like this is very much entangled in our sex lives. The beauty load and sex are massive overlaps because this is our relationship with our body. This is us externalizing for ourselves like uh, I have my hand out here because I see it as though we start seeing ourselves from an external judgmental eye not from an internal feeling loving eye 
Yes, the male gaze, right? And right. of course the maze the male gaze when you're in a heterosexual dynamic, but even the male gaze when you're not, because yes. even yes. if you are queer, bi, lesbian, any any anything that you identify cool. absolutely yeah. because you've been we've all been raised in that same way of yeah. seeing ourselves through that male gaze. And yeah. it is performative and it's destructive. Yeah. yeah. And you were speaking and I was like listeners can't see us, but I was nodding furiously, particularly because it has been so entrenched in me and relationships I have been in in the past, I didn't even see it. And I can remember a therapist saying to me, you know, pointing out different elements and saying like, this is unhealthy. There's a perfectionism streak here. There's control here. There's all sorts of entanglement going on. And I couldn't see it. It wasn't until I had exited this certain relationship I'm thinking of. And I came across something that this person had written down, right? And this person was working with their own therapist and was completing an activity where they had to talk about their ideal partner. And the top three things were attractive, athletic, and self-sacrificing. It brought me to my knees, Nicole, because I was like, how did I not see that that's what that person was looking for? And so I played that mm-hmm. to a T. Yeah. Destructive. Yes. yes. And I think that we do sacrifice in order for safety within relationships. And this is why it's an important, this is why this is a relationship issue. Right? Yes, because a lot of us are socialized as well. Grow up, find a good man, have a good life. We're caretakers. Yes. We're caretakers, right? And then, you you know, I, I get the women in my therapy room as the 30, 40, 50-year-olds going, I don't know who I am. You know, yes. I don't know. People ask, what do you love? What are you curious about? What are you passionate about? I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, so... um. I heard that girls, young women, not girls, but, you know, from a sexual age, so 18, 20-year-old women, have sex for power, whereas young boys have sex, young men have sex for pleasure. And that hit me. And I was like, yes. I mean, I look back at all the sex I had at that age. And I was not, I I don't remember having an orgasm. I do not remember enjoying it. I was not there for my pleasure, for my body, for my experience of my, my cumulative experiences of sex. I mean, and some of them were not good. were all about, oh, they find me attractive. Great. Yes. It, I, I'm nodding again because the power currency that yeah. we are taught about sex and yeah. even the value of sex. You know, I remember being taught a lot about how important it was to be really sure that you were going to lose your virginity and to have this great experience when you okay. lost your virginity because that made you somehow empirical or better than the girls that yeah. had already lost their virginity. So I think even that dynamic plays into the power, plays into the performance, yeah. you know, which all of these things exist, but we're not talking about our pleasure. No, we're not talking about our pleasure. And then we have to add in, well, if I'm feeling 
So for me, and as you read my book, Kylie, you'll find out that my, I, I feel like our insecurity gets landed at a certain point in our body, maybe multiple points. But for me, it was my small breasts, right? So I could not get over my small breasts. I could not feel like an attractive woman with small breasts, right? It just, the calculation didn't work in my brain about it. And so there's that compensation that, oh, I'll just take whatever or whatever. But also when a man when in these formative years, when a man was reaching for my breasts, all I could think was, he's going to hate it. This is not enough for him. My body went into stress. So I was actually tight and stressed and insecure in these very intimate moments of allowing someone near my body but you think about how people feel about their tummies you know people people talk all the time about their tummies or their bums or you know extra bits of fat or uh, coming back from having a baby or whatever it is like this is how it's a relationship issue this is how it affects us in intimacy but not only that I feel like it affects us when we're dating it affects how how we choose our partners, how we go into relationships, how we set up the foundations of, you know, um, equality, like emotional safety, all of that stuff comes down to how our self-worth is and our self-esteem. Absolutely. And to think, as you mentioned, Nicole, it can start around three or four years of age. How do we start, you know, I know that you've mentioned self-compassion, but how do we actually build that? How what is the inroad? Yeah, so, I, um, so I've created a course that is a guide for women back to self-compassion. It's a mini course. So it is basically taking all of my years of exploring this and writing the book and just taking this one nugget, which is, we need self-compassion because I be- that's what I've just realized is what's needed, right? It's like all of this noise can happen. We just need to change the way that we speak to ourselves. So first step is always awareness, is noticing, ah, that is me talking to myself from judgment, from that external judgmental eye, noticing it and interrupting it. And that can be scary because we notice how much we do it to ourselves. So that that's the, the first step is by far the scariest. But I think that then we need to, uh, well, I go into it in the course, but um, I'm a big believer in IFS. I don't know if you've heard of IFS. It's internal, internal family. Yeah. Yeah. So um I believe we need to be compassionate to that part of us that is scared that this matters to. So this part is talking to us in this voice. It is not crazy. It does not need to be shamed by us. It does not need to be told to bugger off. It actually needs understanding and it needs care. It needs safety from the part of us that is that big central stem of self, that observer part, the part of us that can offer it care, 
needs to come in and go, hey, honey, I gotcha. I see you. It is scary. It makes sense. I've heard Clementine Ford speak about this concept of how we have to connect with all of our previous selves. And Mm. uh, Brendan and I actually went to her uh, love sermon and it was Mm. incredible. It was such a great experience. Um, If anyone listening or if you, Nicole, get the chance, I don't know whether Clementine and Libby plan on um, touring again, but it was so enjoyable and there was no dry eye in the house but during this love sermon Clementine was speaking about this concept of our past selves and how it's so important to understand they still exist and to almost think of it like we have this past team available to us running a relay you know we're handing the baton over and that visual has stuck with me like almost like you know uh, when you see a meme where something is transforming or you know like an animal is like going through this metamorphosis that's what kind of sticks in my mind of like all of these previous little Kylie's passing this baton on to present Kylie and mm, what I'm hearing from, yes yeah. what I'm what I'm hearing from you Nicole is almost the same thing but present Kylie needs to turn around and have a look at all of those past Kylie's and be like oh yeah I see what that one needed and I see what that one needed and I understand why you're triggered, why you're activated, why this stuff's sitting at the surface. And I'm not going to shame you for it or tell you it's silly. I'm going to hold space for it and be curious about what you actually needed. That's it. That's it. So often we're running from past Nicole's and past Kylie's, right? We're like trying to keep in front of them. But actually what we need to do is we need to slow down. We need to turn towards them and we need to see, say, hey, I see you. I get it. And I'm here. I'm here for you. Give them a hug. Offer them support in whatever way they need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It sounds, I was just going to say, it sounds like your online course will be a really, really valuable resource. How long does it take people to sort of move through it? So I have made it on purpose a mini course and I'm very proud of that because I value conciseness. I think that conciseness is actually something I have a superpower in is turning this big complex thing and diluting it down to the essence of what we need and um, so it's an hour and 15 minutes of video content in seven lessons so it's very much made for busy women bite-sized bite-sized 15 minute videos with journaling homework or worksheets or meditations for each lesson so they take a little bit longer but that's all in your own time sort of stuff but yeah it is um it is also drawing on you know all of my teachers so we have Gabor Mate we have Brené Brown we have Kristen Neff who's like the queen of self-compassion I've had her on the podcast actually love you yeah oh, yeah yeah listen to that so yes yeah, she's all about self-compassion and um you know and then just all of I mean as a therapist I, I don't think any therapist could really do the job of therapy without really having a deep understanding of compassion because that's that's really what our job is. You come to me with all of this and I remind you that actually 
it makes sense, that actually you're human, that actually it's okay. We can, we can be kind and loving towards that worry. Yeah, it's such a big topic and I agree with you. I think that is your superpower and I will make sure we have the link in our show notes so that our listeners can jump on over, get amongst it, be curious. On the topic of the beauty load, Nicole, is there anything else that you wanted to add for our listeners? Well, I think that I really want to come back to just the idea that we don't need to feel guilty for our work, for the work, the beauty work, for um, how complicit we are in it, and that actually this is about you and an invitation for you personally. It is about you coming back to nature, and by that I mean your nature and the fact that you are uh, a human and that you are a, a child of the earth, you are from the earth and from the cosmos and you are here having this one precious life, you know, and that if you can get back to your nature as a body, as, um, you know, a soul, as a being that can experience flavours and wonder and beauty and running or skipping or hearing children's laughter or whatever that is like that internal experience is actually what this life is all about and so if if it is feeling full of toxicity or shaming or judgment then don't shame yourself for that, but take that as, do you know what? I think I could create the love that I want in my life and in my world internally. I believe it starts within. It all starts within. It starts in our being. And if we can make this space, this place, a beautiful, loving, accepting place to live, to exist, that ripples out. That ripples to our kids, that ripples to our communities, that ripples to our friends. That's our one job. We don't have to change the world and we don't have to worry about the world. We have to just worry about our little patch and our patch starts in our heart. Yeah, I love this concept of really focusing on the fact that it is an inside job and maybe one of the side effects of leaning into this, you know, as an inside job will actually be that there is less uh, striving eventually and less pressure. And I think just giving our listeners the language of the beauty load will be really helpful. And one thing that has been on my mind is that, okay, if whatever percentage of my day or whatever whatever percentage, excuse me, of my brain power is dedicated to worrying and maintaining this beauty load. What would my life be like if I just halved that, quartered that? What else could I achieve? And the reason that's on my, 
you know, top of my mind is in my early 20s when I was very, very much struggling with an eating disorder and to be completely transparent, eating stuff is always hard for me. Like I don't know whether I'll ever be 100% recovered, but I remember during recovery in my 20s, a therapist said to me, imagine what you could do if you didn't have to spend all of your energy obsessing over the amount of calories you're consuming and beating yourself up. She was like, you could probably change the world with that much energy. (laughs) And that was a real unlock for me because I'm like, yeah, Yeah. like at the end of my life, I don't want my kids to stand up at my funeral and say, well, mum maintained a size eight figure for her whole life and we rarely saw her without fake tan. You know, I want them to be able to say, Mum showed up as a human in this world and she did her best to make a difference. And these are the things we remember. We remember that she jumped in the pool with us. We right. remember that she would leave dishes in the sink in favour to come and talk to us. Like those are actually the things that matter. And, yes, I'm carrying the mother load, the partner load, the friend load, the career load, the fucking load. Like it's exhausting. Yeah. but. Maybe I can't eradicate all of that stuff, but maybe I can halve the brain power. That's it. Or at least put it into perspective. That's it. And this is only about what is the best thing for you, right, and your life, your precious life. And I think that I like the idea of just trimming around the percentage, just trimming away at it. So actually maybe I could just spend five minutes less here. You know, because the statistics add up, like over a year, it's something like women spend, I've got the stats in my book, but like 30 days of each year actually back-to-back just on their beauty. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't shock me at all. And I think, again, as you said, pruning little steps, that can actually be so rewarding for our growth overall because often we want to be perfect, you know? So if we're going to look at the beauty load, we want to really unpack it and really eradicate it. But it's like maybe we don't have to take on that degree of uh, responsibility. We just have to, as you said, focus on the inside and little wins. So I've actually had a few people read the book who've I like I don't suggest you need to stop the beauty work at all in my book but I've had a few people read it who've taken that extreme and have gone okay I've stopped shaving and I've stopped caring and I've stopped you know doing any makeup and I'm like no 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 that's that that's entirely your choice and if that's what makes you feel good great like no judgment on that but that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying let's just get really aware of all of this pressure and how much pressure and how isolating it is and how hard that's been on our inner being. And let's get really supportive and kind of that inner being in amongst all of this. That's all. You've mentioned your book. Where can our listeners get their hands on a copy? So listeners can get their hands on um, at Amazon and booktopia online um some bookshops but i can't tell them which ones um or my website which is nicolematheson.com perfect i'll pop a link directly to your website online i know that so many of our listeners are going to be racing over to get their hands on a copy of this book wonderful 
thank you so much for your time today and for the work that you're doing. It's big stuff. Thank you. And likewise, thank you for what you're offering women. It's fantastic. Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjalung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.